Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Business Over Chai podcast. As you may have noticed from our previous episode, we are now a video podcast, which means you can watch our video on Spotify and YouTube, as well as listening to us on all the audio platforms. I'm really excited to introduce today's episode to you. We're speaking to Nick Sharma, CEO of Sharma Brands. Nick is known as the DTC guy, DTC being direct to consumer and is considered an expert in the field and has helped generate over $100 million in revenue. Sharma Brands works with brands across the globe to help scale and grow revenue across digital platforms. They have worked with the likes of Rock Nation, Jim Beam Whiskey and The Pill Club. As well as being an e-commerce expert, Nick is also a very active investor and has invested in more than 50 companies to date. Now let's get to the episode. Hey there, Nick. Great to have you on our podcast today. Excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you so much for joining. We really appreciate it. Um, I guess a good place to start, Nick, is we know you're involved in a lot of businesses, but could you just give a quick background into, into who you are and what the main businesses you're involved in right now are, please? Yeah. So quick background is, um, is you know, I, I kind of spent the last few years in e-commerce and direct-to-consumer uh, in the world of CPG. Um, really kind of fell in love with it a few years ago when I was at a company called Hintwater and, uh, and really actually fell in love with it mainly because, um, you know, we were able to, to help people get healthy at scale. And, uh, and I thought that was a really powerful, um, a really powerful thing you can do with e-commerce and, you know, growing up, like, uh, I was always, uh, trick-or-treating for UNICEF or kind of doing things toward, uh, giving back. And so, the ability to use e-commerce to kind of amplify that to me was really, really fascinating. Um, and so, so anyways, Hint got me really interested in e-commerce. I went to an agency. I ended up starting my own company. And, um, you know, the main companies right now, there's Sharma Brands, which is where I spend most of my time. Um, and that's kind of like a direct-to-consumer swap team for different brands. So as small as uh, companies that haven't launched yet to as large as some of the largest alcohol brands in the world, um, you know, we, we work with them and, and kind of help them navigate the world of digital and commerce online. And then, um, outside of that, there is, uh, another business we started called 1180, which is a branded content studio. So we work with, you know, uh, direct consumer brands that are really well known, kind of help them push the gas on, on reaching more people. Um, and we actually just launched a new business, uh, this past week called hooks where think of hooks as like creative hooks or creative angles. And um, we really focus on on helping also direct consumer brands, uh, you know, build web experiences that help drive new customer acquisition. Um, outside of that, we we just acquired a company, uh, a consumer brand that we haven't announced yet, but um, that will be another kind of focus of mine. And uh, yeah, that covers that covers it all. And then outside on the side. Um, we have, or, you know, I, I invest in companies and advise some different startups. And, um, to me, that's like the, the fun part is just getting, getting to help in the early days. Yeah, they completely agree. So, okay. There's a lot to unpack there, I guess. Um, if you just want to take it back a little bit, um, what about school? So like, where did you kind of grow up? Where did you go to school, Nick? So I grew up in San Diego. Um, in San Diego, I finished high school. Um, and that was all the school I did after high school. I flew to San Francisco, joined an ad tech company, um, 
and you know that that was kind of my school of the streets per se um just kind of learning as i went and um and and just tried to you know absorb as much as i could on the, on that journey so that i wouldn't have to go back to school <laughs> the thought of school to me was really scary um you know like uh having i was never the best student either um but the thought of going to spend 4 years to to basically just study was pretty intimidating and uh and i you know when i was in high school too I was doing social media work and I was, um, you know, I had like a dog walking business when I was in middle school. So I kind of always loved business. Um, and, and so, yeah, so I, I knew that's kind of where I wanted to go. Um, and, you know, I guess just making the leap after high school to me sounded better than, than going to school. Yeah. You, you talked about this in a previous conversation that, you know, you, you told your parents, that you didn't want to go to school. And I think, you know, a lot, a lot of South Asians, they, parents have quite, in our culture, have quite big expectations, right? Of like, you've got to ace it, you've got to be a certain role, you've got to fit a certain way and be a certain person when you grow up. And they have these very big expectations. So what was it like when you told your parents, hey, I don't want to go to school. I mean, what, what did that, what did that? It was, uh, was that like? <laughs> pretty scary at first, I would say. Um, I actually did it over an email because I didn't even want to get on the phone and tell him. Um, oh, wow. And, uh, and then, and then I had to fly home from San Francisco back to San Diego and, uh, and, and explain myself. So it was, uh, you know, looking back on it, I think I would laugh, but at the time I was like shitting my pants. It's too bad a Zoom call wasn't a thing then, otherwise you could have Zoomed him, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it sounds. It, it almost sounds like you were summoned back to San yeah. Diego to, to have well, a Well, that was actually supposed to be that weekend where my internship wrapped up and I was going to go pack my bags and then go to school, like go to college. Um, and basically the weekend before is when I, you know, said like, I don't, I don't want to go to school. Wow, wow. Yeah. So you've been a bit of a hustler to start with, kind of, you know, had your dog walking business and you mentioned social media. Um, so you started Sharma Media quite early, right? Sharma Media quite early. Um, and But you worked with quite big names in the in, in the industry. Could you tell us what, what that was and, you know, how did you get to work with such kind of uh, big, big artists? Yeah, I mean, at the time it was, um, you know, it was it was it was like to, to get in touch with people, I would say was maybe easier because everybody, everybody was always reading email. And so it was just a bunch of cold emailing or, you know, running into people at events or knowing if somebody, you know, like uh, there was one person specifically who was at a conference and I knew that she was going to be at the closing ceremony of this conference. So I, I just showed up there. I was already there. And I just went to the closing ceremony and pretended to run into her. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then cold emailing. I was really good at cold emailing because when I was in high school, I used to DJ a lot. And when you're DJing for gigs, you have to, you know, you have to go email. You have to see who's looking on Craigslist for a DJ for a party or a wedding or whatever it is. Um, and so I got, I just got really good at cold emailing. And, um, and, and, you know, that's kind of how it all happened. That's so cool. I mean, working with the likes of Jay Shaw and Priyanka Chopra, that's, that's, that's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The, the coolest part though, is like, um, 
is so now like Jay Sean has a sake brand uh, called Smooth Sale, and right. and so we just went and met up uh, a week or two ago. And the craziest part is just thinking like we've known each other now for almost a decade, uh, thanks to just social media and, you know, random stuff I used to do in high school. But um, those are probably my favorite moments or like those kind of full circle moments um, when when you can look back and be like, wow, this is somebody that I like admired or idolized years ago. And uh, and, you know, now it's like we're in group chats together. It's the craziest thing to me. It's <laughs> awesome. No, that's 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 really impressive. I mean, yeah, it, it's crazy how things like that happen when you you know you interact and you have an experience, and then years later, there's a, a, the experience yeah. reconnects um, for sure. That's cool. Um, I wanted to kind of just move on this conversation a bit more into um, the the Sharma mm-hmm. brand business. And really just launching it. So, I mean, it happened in 2020, right? So we've just kind of uh, fast forwarded yeah. a few years. Um, you you did several roles at various uh, agencies. You worked at Hint. Um, but let's just get into kind of the, the nuts and bolts of why did you launch, firstly? Um, you've also been coined as the DTC guy. I don't know if it was you or somebody else, but I would love to learn how, how that started as well. Yeah. So the DTC guy, that whole thing happened. Uh, one of my closest friends, this guy, David Perel, um, he, he just like, I think he, he either tweeted it once or he mentioned it. And, um, and then I, I kind of coincidentally around the same time had an interview with Adweek uh, for their podcast and they they made that their headline, like a conversation with the D 2 C guy or something like that. Um, and since then, like everybody just started saying it. Uh, not that I would go and be like, "Oh, please reference me as the D 2 C guy." Um, but then I just kind of like owned it. And now, if you Google D T C guy, uh, I'm the only person that comes up. So <laughs> it's funny how it worked out, nice. but it was completely unintentional. Um, but that happened, I think, in like 2019. And, um, and then Sharma brands or Sharma media, uh, which is actually Sharma brands that started, um, you know, I was, I was consulting in 2019 with a bunch of different companies, you know, doing one or two consulting gigs at a time. Um, and, and, and some of them were awesome brands like Chacha Macha, which is a big matcha cafe here. Uh, Super Coffee, which is now, you know, well over a hundred million dollar company. Uh, the Pill Club, which is probably worth a billion dollars now. Uh, helping Share launch a fragrance. Um, and, and you know, there was just more and more and more demand for what I was doing, which was basically, I was kind of going in and playing this external um, chief growth officer where I would come in and be like, all right, we should do X, Y, and Z and test these different things across organic social and, and paid media and do this on the website and our ads should look like this and kind of almost coming in and being like a outsourced head of D to C. And, um, and it was something that more and more brands, like as they figured out what I was doing, they were just like, oh, can we work with you on this? And, um, and so you know, there was almost like a line that started happening of, all right, well, as soon as you finish with those guys, we want to hire you. And, um, and then I did this brand called Judy, which is an emergency preparedness brand at the end of 2019. 
And, um, and I just needed help because that was, that was a pretty decent sized brand that needed to launch. And they basically had brought me on to, um, make sure the launch, like nothing goes, goes wrong in the launch. And so, uh, with that, I reached out to, uh, this girl, Bailey, who, um, who was my intern at Hint for two summers. And, um, you know, I said like, Hey, uh, would you, would you want to come and help me launch this brand and, you know, kind of see where this goes. And at the time I had no idea what Sharma brands would become or, or that it would be remotely close to, to what it's done today. But, um, you know, she, like she, she, she was down and she came over and it also helped that Simon Huck was the founder of, uh, of Judy. And she had seen, you know, she loved Simon's show on TV. And so, so Bailey joined me and we worked on Judy. We launched that. And right as we launched that, uh, COVID hit and, um, and Judy had a massive, massive first half of the year. Uh, you know, we sold out of like a year's worth of inventory in, in a couple of weeks, uh, as a result of COVID and, and kind of a side effect of that was that, uh, you know, it was like, oh, the Sharma brands team did that launch. Um, and almost immediately we just started getting like, you know, calls from everywhere. Like, Hey, we, we're supposed to be making 500 million in retail this year. We're not getting that, those sales. Can you help us go online? Or, uh, you know, we just lost 300 grand in, in retail orders that we, we need to make up. Can you help us make this up online? Um, or, uh, we're online right now, but we don't know how to navigate this. Can you guys come in and help, help us kind of navigate that? And so very quickly, we just started growing our client base. And, um, you know, we kind of always stopped around four clients or so because um, there was only two of us. And with what our goal was, we wanted to go super deep versus have a bunch and not be able to go as deep. And um, but then from there, it just started growing and, you know, went from two people uh, to probably four to six. And now, you know, we're like 18 to 20 people. We've got developers, designers, copywriters, um, you know, an ops person, brand manager, like we've just got, we're, we're basically an out outsource or external in-house direct consumer team is what a lot of people call us. Right. Okay. So you've talked about DTC direct to consumer. Would you mind just, you know, for some of our listeners that don't know what DTC is, you know, what that all is and perhaps touch upon why has it grown so you know so rapidly over the last maybe couple year or two year or two? Yeah, so DTC stands for direct to consumer. Um, the the best way to think about direct to consumer is like before there was Target and Walmart and uh, you know these large chain stores. Uh, everybody in their town would ha have a little shop and they would sell to the person on the other side of the counter. That is basically direct to consumer. It's the brand or the company creating the product, selling directly to the consumer without a middleman. So without an Amazon or without a, you know, uh, somebody in the middle who's taking a cut or merchandising or or has a a store. Um, the reason that took off uh, in I would say 2016, 2017 is the the online advertising platforms got really, really developed enough to the point where people could run ads pretty efficiently. Um, and the cost of advertising wasn't that much back then. 
And so if you had a good product, um, you could basically run ads online on Facebook and Instagram, or I don't even think Instagram had ads back then, but you could run ads on Facebook and you could bring customers to your site and they would try the product. And if your product was good, you would have a sustainable customer base. Um, and so, you know, kind of over the years that got more and more, um, you know, uh, I guess ironed out and kind of evolved. Um, but today direct to consumer is really more of a channel of marketing or a channel of sales, uh, in what should be really an omni-channel focused business. Meaning you shouldn't just try to sell your customers through your own site, but you should be on marketplaces like Amazon or eBay or, uh, Walmart or, uh, be selling at Target or, um, you know, kind of different places to sell versus just focusing on your .com site. Right. So you think is it, you know, definitely important channel for, for brands to get their products out there. And obviously COVID had an impact on DTC as well. For uh, sure. But, uh, you know, a ma massive impact. But do you, do you think, um, I'm assuming you're quite bullish on, on DTC still? You, you still think it's, you know, very important for the future? Yeah, I don't think direct consumer is going anywhere. Um, you know, I think like even the largest companies in the world now want to be direct to consumer. You know, you talk to um, uh, a company as, as large as like Bacardi, right? Making billions of dollars in revenue a year. Uh, they couldn't tell you who their customer is. They could give you an idea, but like they just don't know. And it's because they've always sold to a distributor who sells to a wholesaler um who then sells to the retailer i might have gotten that wrong distributor retailer consumer there's right. three tiers basically in the us um so they have no idea who's buying their product right and they they don't have any form of okay this person bought the product what did they think about it what did they like what did they dislike unless they're doing focus groups or kind of like specific things whereas um uh these digitally native direct consumer brands the second they sell the product, they're like, all right, this is Kenny in Miami, Florida, and he does X, Y, and Z, and he's interested in golf and swimming. You know, like you get so much more out of it. And so not only does that help you kind of understand who your customer is, but then it also helps you understand what you should make next so that you have the best chance of succeeding in your next product launch. Uh, so I was just going to say, they've just got so much more data, right? Yeah. By, by doing DTC, which they otherwise forego if, they, if they're selling to a distributor. So um, they can really hone in on their next product, campaign, whatever it may be. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say, uh, I was just going to play devil's advocate there and say a company like Bacardi, why why do they even care? Like they've got so much product that they're yeah. shipping. I mean, Bacardi is um, definitely... And they don't, why do they even yeah, care? Yeah, Bacardi about? is probably a different case. You know, I think when they think 15, 20 years down the down the line, uh, which is really what their management team is is kind of in the mindset of, um, you know, they think about direct to consumer as a really viable channel that they should be good at versus, uh, you know, you have brands like House, for example, which is a alcoholic brand in the U.S. or Empathy Wines or uh, uh, some of these other companies, you know, they're just eating market share out of these companies like Bacardi or uh, Diageo or whatever it may be. Um, and, and they're winning because they know their customers, they know they can talk to their customers, they their customers feel a relationship back to them. So their retention is higher. Um, 
And, you know, I'm, every time I meet with these large alcohol companies, they're always talking about, oh, well, what is House doing? You know, or like, what are these other companies doing? Um, and so for them, they they really feel like they're pretty far behind in that world, but they know they got to be accelerating that. That's really interesting. I was going to, I was just going to ask as well, uh, just kind of talking kind of on the topic of actually launching the brand and building a business. I mean, what's, what's being kind of, this is, sounds like a really great story and I'm sure there have been some challenges along the way as well. So what's been kind of the, some of the most challenging parts of launching this? Because let's, let's face it, a brand agency, it's, it's a very competitive place to be and to be launching in 2020 when the world was going a little crazy must have been a difficult time as well. So, I mean, what were the challenges yeah. that you I mean, um, th at that time particularly, it was like... Uh brands themselves were optimizing their own business for cash flow. So like, you know, some of our clients wouldn't pay us till four months later, uh, four months later than they should have paid us. And, um, you know, the other thing is, I, I mean, I've been fortunate in the sense that we've never had an issue with incoming brands. Um, it's more of like, um, you know, the biggest one is like, are they paying us on time so that, uh, we can hit payroll um, and, and probably just making sure that, you know, we're able to deliver what, whatever we promised on, or, you know, we're able to make things work while the world was kind of changing so quickly around us. Uh, there was a lot of things that normally probably wouldn't work or, or would work that didn't work. And, you know, then it's, it's, it's on us to fix that and figure out how to make it work. Cause that's what they're paying us for. That's really interesting. Yeah. And obviously, when you have a launch like, um, you know, you sell a year's worth of inventory in two weeks, that's great. That's great marketing for yourselves. But do you employ like a specific strategy to acquire clients, Nick? Uh, like clients for Sharma Brands? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, not really. I mean, all of our, all of our um, clients have all been either through referrals from other investors or people in the space uh, or past clients actually is, is another big one. Um, or they read this newsletter I send every Sunday and they just say, that is what we need and we're just going to hire you to do it. Um, so I've always been a fan of like giving the secrets away or kind of putting everything out in the open and um, initially, it, it really helped like building a network, like finding other people who are thinking the same way or people are, who are interested in talking about whatever I was, I was putting out. Um, but, you know, now it's, it's also become really helpful because like the, you know, the CMO of like these large global brands uh, reads about something that I put out and they say, oh, we were just thinking about how to do this. You know, can we just hire you to do this? And, uh, and it's the coolest thing to see because I'm just like, I grew up using your products or I love your brand and now you're just reaching out, you know? Yeah. No, I was going to say, um, you, you've obviously made a, a, you know, a big, um, name for yourself on, you know, social media platforms like Twitter. Uh, I'm sure that's definitely mm -hmm. helped. Uh, what, what, could you give us some sort of insight? What's your, what's your strategy <laughs> there? Like if there is even a strategy, there's no strategy. It's, uh, it's literally like if I come across <laughs> a good thought or a good idea, I just put it out. Uh, like some days I don't tweet for a long time 
you know, I don't, I won't tweet for like days and then I'll just put out a tweet. Like today, I think after maybe a week or something, I put out a tweet, uh, cause I was just on the phone this morning and I, I was like, Oh, that sounds like, uh, it would be a helpful tip for other people. And I just put it out and, um, I don't even know if it's doing well, but, um, the strategy is basically just like whatever I think be helpful for somebody else. I just put it out. Um, and it's also been great because, uh, you get to like, I don't find that there's any, I, I don't really get clients off of Twitter per se, but, uh, it's a great way to just interact with people and kind of see the pulse on, on what's happening in direct to consumer or what are problems that people are facing or, um, you know, how are people thinking about thinking, thinking about things or different challenges that they're encountering. Um, so I, re I really love Twitter for that reason. It's like a, it's like one big, you know, happy hour and you can just go yeah. drop in and, and say whatever to anybody. Right. Right. Well, it sounds like that strategy is working because you've been uh, recognized uh, Forbes 30 under 30, right? How, how yeah. did that kind of come about, Nick? I have no idea. Uh, you know, <laughs> today, the Forbes 30 under 30 is like, it, it's a game, right? It's like, you got to go get people to recommend you. And you you make like, I, I have a friend, for example, he made a list of like, uh, I don't know, 14 people who had gotten it before that he knows. And he wrote up like a whole thing and he sends it out to everybody and they all submit it. And, uh, and, and like, that's, that's the today strategy of getting it, which to me is really weird. Um, I remember when I, when I submitted mine, um, first of all, I didn't think I was going to get it. So I didn't ask anybody to like submit on my behalf. Uh, I remember being kind of hung over on a plane ride from Scottsdale back to San Francisco. And I just kind of like did it on my laptop on the plane and submitted it. And then, um, you know, a few weeks or a couple months probably go by. And then I was in New York and they had emailed me like, Hey, you didn't submit a photo. Um, can you upload a photo? And I ignored it. And then they emailed again that same day. And they were like, Hey, you should upload a photo. Uh, and I was, again, I was just like these stupid automated emails. And then I got a call and they were like, Hey, you should really upload a photo. We need a photo. And I was like, hint, okay. Hint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, I was with a friend of mine, uh, this guy, Andy McCoon, who also got it that year. And, um, he's a really sharp dude. And we were, we were at a spot in Brooklyn and we were, we were at, uh, this place called Dumbo house, which is like the Soho house in Brooklyn. And in that building on the other side of that building was this agency called laundry service. And laundry service is like an iconic ad agency. And they were actually an agency that I'd worked with when I was at Hintwater. So I knew, I remembered their lobby had amazing lighting. So we just went downstairs <laughs> from Soho house. We walked across in the lobby. We went up there, just took a photo in the lobby and, um, and then I just fired it off to them and that was the photo. And now it's updated because, because, uh, there's a better photo, but at the time, like the photo that had come out was this random shot that we took in the lobby that Andy took on his iPhone. Yeah. Hey, that, that's great. I mean, to be recognized, you know, when you kind of least expect it, it, it's pretty amazing, you know? And, uh, yeah. and even when they, even when they're telling you literally upload, a, you know, upload a photo, you still didn't kind of believe it. in a picture, Yeah. Right? Not at all. <laughs> Uh, that, that's great. That's yeah. great. I was going to touch upon um, investing, uh, Nick, because uh, you you talk a lot a little bit about investing and mm -hmm. um, 
recently Business Insider also um, named you as one of the people to watch in kind of venture capital or should get in touch with you if you if you want to get involved in DTC brands. Um, so, I mean, clearly you had a lot of deal flow before, but I guess now your inbox is just going to be absolutely crazy. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you got involved in investing in the first place and, and why you kind of enjoy it? Yeah. Um, to me, I think, I think the most fun part of working with brands is like coming up with strategies and solutions to problems or looking at a problem and trying to figure out how to overcome it. Um, and so, you know, a byproduct of putting things out on Twitter uh, for the last few years has just been that founders in their very, very early days of starting a company will just follow me because whatever I put out might be helpful to them uh, or is helpful to them in terms of what they might, you know, random tips or tricks or concepts or whatever it is as they build their business and, and go toward a launch or after they've started their business and, and they want to grow it. And, um, and so just naturally, I just get a bunch of DMs. Hey, we're starting this. Would you want to look at this? Or just a bunch of emails like, hey, you talked about this on Twitter. We're doing this and we're, and you know, we'd love to sit, here's our deck. We'd love to chat about an investment. And um, it's really hard to like keep up with all of them. But uh, I definitely try to, you know, at least go through them and, um, and see what is interesting or really my criteria is two things. One, it's got to be something where I'm a customer. Um, so most of the brands, if not all, uh, I'm definitely a customer of, or would be a customer of. And then the other thing is, uh, you know, if, if it's a brand that I'm putting money into, it's gotta be something where I can actually provide a lot of value personally. So whether it's through, uh, leveraging my network, um, to help them out. And that the, on the brand side, that's usually helping connect them with anybody from a packaging vendor or a fulfillment center or a design agency or a, a media agency or creative shop or video editors, influencers, like whatever it is, right? Um, I want to be able to invest where I can, I can also directly go and help the founder themselves. Um, and, uh, and then if it's investing into a software company, it's something that I would see us wanting to use or uh, telling our clients, like, you should absolutely be using this because of X, Y, and Z. And, uh, and then in that case too, like, you know, I try to try to help them out by introducing them to brands or, or uh, you know, whatever may be helpful for them. Um, but, uh, but to me, I, 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 I like love that stuff. You know, I love, I love talking with founders, uh, even house, which is this, bottle right here right. um you know helena and i were talking about house in dms like a year or two before it ever was even announced um and so and and then as a byproduct of that and just you know dming back and forth it was hey do you want to invest and um and uh and you know i said yes so um but yeah it's i love investing because i get to meet so many cool people um and uh and, and just, you know, like you, you also get to see the evolution of a company. So for me, a lot of times investing also means if I invest in uh, a beauty brand or a software company or, um, you know, a, a, a fintech app, like 
it's stuff that I'm actively very much learning as they're building the business too. So I'm reading their updates and seeing if I can help, but I'm also then soaking up the information of, oh, how did these guys go viral? How did they, how did they get in touch with these people? How did they create content so fast? Or, you know, how are they doing these product drops? Like, I want to learn that. And, um, and whether it's just, you know, watching it and kind of absorbing it or just being able to, you know, text them or, or shoot them an email and like ask them exactly how. Um, I really look at it as like uh, an education uh, for myself more so than like investing into a brand. Well, clearly you have a passion for it. And uh, I guess as much yeah. as they enjoy having you on their cap table, um, it's still that you're very hands-on and, and you like to add value as much as possible, which I think yeah. they would absolutely, founders would absolutely love that, right? Totally. And can you just talk, touch upon uh, perhaps how many businesses you invest in a year? And do you have a team to kind of help you with that, Nick? Or is this kind of solely, you know, you do it by yourself? Yeah, right now it's uh, it's just by myself. Um, there's there's definitely like a handful of people that I, anytime I get something that I think is really good, I send it out to probably a handful of people that um, that I invest alongside pretty often. And um just kind of get everybody's gut check and, and, you know, we all kind of play devil's advocate as to why we shouldn't invest. Um, and then if everything lines up, then I'll usually invest, but, um, let's see, number of businesses. I think last year was like 50. Uh, this year will probably be a lot less. Um, or no, last year wasn't 50, probably like 25. I think it's been 50 up until now. Um, but, um, but, you know, obviously some checks are way bigger than others. Um, but, um, but yeah, to me, it's like, again, it's like, all right, if I, you know, like there's a, there's a skincare brand called Covey, which is uh, started by this supermodel named Emily DiDonato. And, um, you know, her, her and her husband were investors in my rolling fund that I had. And, um and then, you know, I, I was like, oh, this Covey business they have is also really interesting. So then I'll write a check into there personally. And, um, and you know, now I get to kind of also learn how she plays the influencer game as somebody with a few million followers and how that's different than how I might play the influencer game with, you know, not a million followers. Um, so for me, again, it's like it always comes back to like, what can I learn out of it that um, that either then I could go apply to our clients or... Uh, I could go turn around and apply to other other brands that I've invested in. Um, a lot of times too, it's it's fun because I can set up partnerships. So like you know, Caraway and Brightland, uh, Brightland's an olive oil company. Caraway's a cookware brand. That was one where I kind of texted both and said, "Hey, what if you know?" I texted Brightland and said, "What if you did a partnership with Caraway and vice versa to Caraway?" And you know, and a few weeks later, they have a partnership. Or uh, we worked with Poopery and we launched Judy. And so I can go to Poopery and pitch them this concept of like an emergency kit for the bathroom. And, uh, and, you know, a couple months later, like that collaboration happens. And so, um, so yeah, for, for me, like, honestly, I think this whole, this whole world I live in is just like one big game and it's just a bunch of fun. Uh, mm -hmm. and I just, I just like have the privilege of doing this. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I feel like you've, um, I love your attitude firstly um about just you know playing playing around and and playing the game and just seeing things taking risks it's great um 
Uh, and on the topic of risks, uh, there's a topic that we haven't really talked about on this podcast, which is actually um, uh, around blockchain and NFTs and crypto. Yeah, we, we haven't actually talked about that on the podcast, but we know that in, a previous in our previous conversation that you're into this kind of stuff. I would love to kind of understand what your experience has been. What, what do you, how do you get yourself involved yeah, in that? Yeah, honestly, um, so a lot of times when something like NFTs, for example, come about, um, I, I mean, I, I have a pretty good, um, or rather I, I'm pretty confident that at some point very soon, when I first started hearing about it, uh, at some point soon, brands are going to come to us and say, how do we do this NFT thing? And, um, and, um, you know, a lot of times when we work with brands, that's kind of how it works. Like they just come to us and say, we want to do this. And then it's our job to figure out all the mechanics behind it. And so assuming they would say, Hey, we want to launch an NFT. Um, you know, I wanted to kind of understand that process, uh, from start to finish. And so, um, I invested in a couple of NFT kind of soft or not software, but rather what's called like the picks and shovels, like the Shopify of NFTs, for example, you know, the platforms that enable brands to plug in and, and launch their own collection. Um, and then I also launched a small project of my own uh, called the Bodega Cats. And that was really just whoever's like a, a super e-commerce nerd uh, who who is in my audience, like come join this. And, you know, every two weeks we have these um, these meetups online and we'll bring in, you know, industry experts or massive influencers and just try to, uh, you know, educate that audience on different things. Uh, today, for example, we had an influencer with a million followers come and talk all about like what, what could brands do to, um, to, to make it more exciting to work with influencers or, or, uh, you know, how does she go about brand deals? Just random stuff that like these different founders would really benefit from. Um, and, uh, and so anyway, so that, that's kind of how I learned nfts was just by really doing it um and and i think in the future like i'm pretty bullish on the technology behind nfts i don't know that it's always going to be like profile pictures and and apes that look like they're on molly and uh <laughs> as some people say but that's all yeah I see these but days. i think yeah. <laughs> the underlying technology of you know i think membership cards will be moved to nfts i think concert tickets will be moved to nfts I think um, when you when you go to a concert, for example, and instead of getting a free T-shirt, you're going to get a free NFT dropped in your wallet that verifies, hey, I was at this concert. Um, and so, so I, I think that there is somewhat of a future there. Um, I still think we're kind of figuring out like what that looks like and how that all plays out. Really interesting. Um, so at the beginning, Nick, you, you talked about this new um, kind of venture, Hooks, right? Yeah. Could, could you talk Could you talk a little bit about that as it's just launched? It would be great to learn more about that. Yeah. So we just launched that. Um, you know, at on the Sharma brand side, one of the most common things that we that we get requests for is, can you build us a landing page? And a landing page is basically, instead of somebody uh, going to a website where they then have to go, uh, click around and find the exact product that would be best for them. The idea of a landing page is you kind of roll this red carpet out for customers and say, 
welcome to our brand. This is who we are. This is what we sell. This is what we think would be best for you. Uh, this is why we're really great. This is why we're better than competition. This is why we deserve to exist and even sell this product in the first place. And here's a great offer for you to start or to try this, try this brand or this product. And so, um, you know, we, we build landing pages for companies of all sizes uh, who are clients. And um, it's the most common request I get is, hey, can you uh, build us a landing page for this? And people who aren't clients are the ones who kind of always reach out for that. And um, so we just said, well, what if we just take the our ability to make landing pages and productize it and um, and just kind of sell that to people who need a landing page? So now you can literally go to hooks, H-O-O-X.co, and um, you know, just like you would check out on on an e-commerce site, you put your credit card in, you pay for a landing page, and within two to three weeks, you know, there's a couple of phone calls in between, but within two to three weeks, we've got you uh, a fresh new landing page. Um, and is the idea to kind of create that kind of engagement or that connection with the customer beforehand, and then saying, "Hey, this is why you should buy our product or whatever it is." Is that, is that the kind of idea behind it? Yeah, so it's mainly um, it's mainly to support like the paid advertising that a lot of these brands do. So if you look at a lot of brands right now, uh, they run an ad and it goes straight to their website homepage or it goes to a website product page. And the problem is that the ad might reference something. It never usually matches up with the homepage. Um, sure. And so they focus on selling in the ad versus continuing that pitch or focused on that problem that they brought you in on when it comes to the site. Most website homepages and product pages just don't have the right information or they don't have enough information to take somebody who's never heard of the brand and turn them into a customer that says, you know what, I really want to buy that product and I really want to try it. And, um, and so as a result of that, um, you know, I've always been a fan of landing pages because what we can do is kind of create this curated experience for, you know, if you're um, if you're looking for uh, plastic free, uh, or if you're just looking for a, a better body wash, right? Then I can I can make a page around why this body wash is the best body wash for you, and um, and now I've got a storyline going, and there's a problem and a solution. We're featuring the right product. We're maybe giving you a good deal to come and try it for the first time. We're giving you social proof as to why this body wash is the best uh, versus you go to the product page and it's like image, add to cart button, maybe a description and then a couple of reviews. And then, you know, you may also like these three products. Um, so the landing pages really give us like this ability to roll out the red carpet and kind of treat you like a celebrity and give you everything you need to know to make an informed decision of, yes, I want to try it, or no, I, this product's not right for me. I never knew buying body wash could be so luxurious. <laughs> no, I'm going to, yeah, look out for that red carpet experience next time. Yeah. It's great to hear. Great so, to hear. Well, let's wrap this up a bit now. We're coming to the end of the the, the session. Um, let's talk about the future. So what's what's in store for, for you, for Sharma Brands, uh, and any other uh, projects that you have uh, lined up? Um, I have no idea. I mean, we're, we'll continue to keep growing the stuff that we've started. Uh, for me personally, uh, I think everything that I've done so far is just a culmination of wanting to do cool, cool stuff with my friends. 
and uh, and it's kind of just resulted in in everything that's become so far. So I would say in general, I'll just keep doing that, and um, and we'll see what happens. I mean, I think it'll be a great year for Sharma Brands. I think it'll be a great year for Hooks, a great year for Eleven Eighty. Um, you know, and hopefully this brand that we bought will will be able to really make that take off. Yeah, great, fantastic, and. I guess we couldn't let you go, Nick, without asking our very famous question on our podcast, um, which is, if you could invite three guests for Jai, living or otherwise, who would they be and why? Uh, one would definitely be, I think, Steve Jobs, um, because he's Steve Jobs. Um, <laughs> one would probably be, honestly, probably like Jay Sean, only because he he was like the first real South Asian to like put, uh, put that music culture on the map in the U S and kind of had to break through those barriers. And, um, the third person would probably be, I feel like it's gotta be something very philosophical. Uh, maybe, Oh, I know who it is. There's a, a rest, there's a grocery store chain in the U.S. called Trader Joe's, and uh, and he the guy who started it just passed away a couple years ago, and uh, I personally love Trader Joe's, and had I known that he was alive, I would have went and figured out how to meet him, but um, that's probably somebody who I would love to have dinner with or to ha- get chai with. I would love to actually meet Trader Joe's um, founder. When I was in San Francisco, that was like my go-to supermarket. I'd get, get absolutely everything from um, and so much cheaper than some of the other places nearby um, because San Francisco is too expensive. But anyway, yeah. Um, thank you for being on the podcast. We really appreciate the time. Uh, where can people find you uh, and get uh, reach out yeah, to Yeah, honestly, the best is my site, just nick.co, N-I-K dot C-O. That's the best place. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks so much for the time again and uh, wish you all the best. Thank you. Pleasure to speak to you, Nick. Thanks. Likewise.